I found out, I dug uh, probably uh, 9,763 post holes in my lifetime in Shelby County, and I found the four worst post hole places in the world. I've never hit ground so hard as I was. It took me about two and a half hours to dig four post holes, and I took them down about 40 inches deep. Uh, shit. Shut up, Brother Rogers. He said, make those 30 inches. Man, I got about down six inches. I said, give me some dynamite. Uh, like, I just looked at him, and I called my, that's when I text John. I said, John, how deep these things have to be if you're putting concrete in them? He said, at least 24. <laughs> They're close. Uh, very close. <laughs> But I dug those things and I woke up on Friday morning, man, I could not move. And then we were out here cutting these trees all day Friday and I, every step was pain, every step. And so, uh, uh, oh, shut up. <laughs> so, is this thing working? Am I working? Can you hear me? All right. Uh, go to John chapter 13 because you don't want to hear anything else I'm saying. So, John chapter 13, verse 36 We're going to read a few verses here. I won't keep you uh, late, to, late today, really, uh, not any later than usual. Uh, but John chapter 13, verse 36, it says this. It says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? And of course, the Lord's talking about uh, everything's culminating now. It's coming to an end. And Jesus answered him, whither I, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now. But thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Verse 1 of chapter four, uh, 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless here these few moments that we have. Holy Spirit of God, guide my thoughts, my mind. Lord, help me. Uh, Lord, I, I, the body is weary. The mind's a little cloudy. Lord, I ask you, please, just to guide my mind. Uh, my throat even is a little bit weak. Lord, I pray, please, that you would help me there. And, and uh, Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. Lord, I, I don't want to speak to the people. I want you to make a difference in somebody's life. And, Lord, it can only be done as the Spirit of God speaks through me. So, Lord, I pray, please, now as I yield myself to thee, wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection. Lord, thank you for the answered prayer that we saw yesterday to keep the rain away, to allow people to come, to allow people to, to help us toward our, our, our missions endeavor, to, to accomplish the work that needed to be done, so desperately needed to be done. Thank you that you hear us. Thank you that you're there for us. Please bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. This is, a, 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 to me, a very incredible passage, and, and I'm going to kind of fly through it, but, 
you know, you, you immediately look at it and you think about you know, the main verses, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I'll go to prepare a place for you. And those are very, very important verses. Uh, but I, I want to look at this passage uh, just and look at what I believe are some incredible explanations and promises that are in this passage. And there's just a few, but they're really, to me, they're very exciting. And uh, as usual, I'm sure that you're going to get very excited too. And so, uh, but I think they're exciting. In verse 38, Jesus gives us his, his famous rebuke to Peter. Uh, you know, it, it's, Peter says, I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus says, uh, you know, if we, if we kind of put it in our vernacular, if it had been you or me there, uh, and we knew what Jesus knew, he just goes, really? You know, oh, oh yeah, Peter, you're going to lay down your life for me? Uh, he's, he says, uh, will you lay down your life for me? I, I, I can't even imagine how that came out of his mouth at that moment. It's just kind of like, Peter, will you really? Will you really lay down your life for me? The, you know, the, uh, of course, it's a rhetorical question because Jesus is not going to give Peter a chance to answer. He's going to answer. And so uh, immediately, uh, what he says, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. He says, look, uh, before, before that rooster is ever going to turn loose and start crowing that it's, that it's sunrise, he said, uh, you know, three times you're going to deny me. Now, uh, if you re- listen real close all around what's going on here, you probably would hurt uh, somebody there whispering or kind of saying under their breath, you know, talk's cheap. Because Peter's up there saying, you know, I, 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 you know I'm, I'll die for you. I'll, and Jesus is saying, really, will you? Because I just hate to tell you, Peter, but before morning, you're going to deny me three times. Before that rooster will crow, you're going to deny me. Not, you know, so Peter would not only not die for Jesus, he would deny him not once, not twice, but three times. And can I tell you, folks, the truth is, as a, as a Christian, sometimes we, we mess up. Sometimes we get tempted. Sometimes we, we kind of slip. But, I, but I'm going to just tell you, if, if you really are wanting the Spirit of God to direct you and convict you, uh, you slip up and maybe you say or something or make the wrong decisions or may say something that wasn't exactly right. Uh, you know, almost instantly you get hit with that and immediately you start to, that battle of how can I correct this? How can I get this settled? And, and so the reason I'm saying this is because that makes it even that much harder to understand or harder to comprehend that Peter is going to get hit with those kind of conviction and emotion, yet he's going to do it again. And not only is he going to do it again, he's going to do it again. And, and so... Uh, that's that's kind of getting pretty hard pretty quick. Uh, can, that's really there's there's something going on here. But uh, so, uh, but I believe, as I said, I believe this is an incredibly encouraging passage. And I know you're thinking none of that sounds really encouraging right now. But I, I want to show you where I think it is. In verse 36, look at verse 36. It says, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, where whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me. And it's a key word there, now. Now. 
He says, you can't follow me now. So that immediately tells us that he's going to follow him later. Okay, he says, you can't follow me now, but, but, but look, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. You say, now what, what's, so, what's such a blessing about that statement? Here's the blessing. Jesus knows that Peter is going to deny him three times. Jesus knows that Peter's going to turn his back, going to reject him and, and turn his back on Christ. Yet, this, folks, this is such an incredible point of eternal security. This is eter- Look, Jesus says, I know that you're going to sin. I know that you're going to turn your back on me. I know that you're going to reject me. But let me just tell you something. Before you do, one day you're going to be with me. You can't go with me now, but one day you're going to be with me. Jesus, knowing that Peter would deny him, tells Peter before the denial that he, Peter, would follow Jesus where he's going. Now, you know, some people look at it and say, you know, what is he really talking about? Is he talking about, you know, Peter's going to go to the cross like Jesus went to the cross? But look, it could be part of that. But ultimately, I believe that the Lord's saying, uh, I'm going, I'm going to be in heaven one day. You can't go with me now, but one day you can. And so it's a wonderful confirmation of eternal security. It's obviously not, listen, our eternal security is not based on sinless, a sinless life or some sort of sinless perfection or watch this, even a good life because Peter is not even good here. You know, you think about it, if you're going to commit a sin, what sin could be greater than denying that you even know Jesus? I mean, really, you think about it, what could be greater than saying, I never knew him? I don't know him. I never heard his name before. Now, I believe it's little that the Christian could do that would be worse than denying Christ. Now, if we can just think about it, if we can grasp it, we're not there yet, but we, we saw Wednesday that Jesus is the author of our eternal salvation. He did not author a salvation that could be taken away or lost. He authored an eternal salvation. Eternal life, listen to this, eternal life must forever be eternal if it has ever been eternal. You understand that? So, folks, you say, why are you going through this? Because, folks, there's still people sitting in this room right now that every time you mess up, you start to doubt whether you're really going to go to heaven. You start to doubt whether, you, you know, surely, that, you know, I, I must have lost it. You can't lose it because Jesus authored eternal salvation and he's looking at Peter and saying, Peter, I know what you're going to do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you real soon how you're going to turn your back on me. You're going to deny me. You're going to, you're going to uh, watch this. You're going to lie. You're going to cuss. You're going to, you're going to d- deny you ever knew who I was. He said, but what? let me tell you something. Before that happens, I'm going to just give you this because you're going to need some help to get through this emotionally. Hey, You can't go with me now, but you will go with me. You're going to come with me. And, folks, that's before Peter sins. Does that make sense to you? Peter was a man like many of us. He dealt with insecurities. 
And that's what we have to do. We have to look at people in the Bible and realize they're just like us. And I believe from everything that I read about Peter and the way he reacts, he's, he's like a lot of people that, that I deal with. Uh, the, Peter was a man like many of us. He dealt with insecurities and doubts. He wanted, listen, he wanted so bad to succeed, he determined to succeed, he planned to succeed, but what he succeeded in was failure. You know, I, truthfully, we struggle so much and, and we condemn ourselves and we allow Satan to condemn us when the honest truth is some of the people that struggle the most are the people that want to serve God the most. You know why? Because you recognize your failures. You see, often those who have the greatest insecurities, guilt, and fear are those who desire to do right the most. We place an, uh, what happens is, and I think it's happened to Peter, we place an unreachable bar of perfection in front of us. Peter, and that's why, folks, be careful, you know, uh, what you say. My, my dad, uh, when, when I was uh, boxing, when I was 17, uh, I was standing there uh, in line getting ready to weigh in. And, and the guy that I was going to fight kept turning around, mouthing off to me. And dad was standing with me. And, and, and that guy kept running his mouth. And I can remember dad just kind of leaning over to me. He said, son, never tell a man what you're going to do to him. Just get in the ring and do it. And, you know, that was a great thing because from that point on, I never, I never got in and said, you know, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you, know, you know, I didn't do that. And, and can I tell you, uh, it, that's just a better way to be. It's better just keep your mouth shut and go do what you need to do because you really look like a, a, a fool when you run your mouth and then you flop. But what happens is we place an unreachable bar of perfection in front of ourselves and then condemn ourselves when we don't reach it. And so I believe that's where Peter was. Peter had, had placed this bar up there. He really wanted to serve God. He really believed Jesus was the Christ, the, the Son of the living God. He really wanted to stand by him. He put this bar up there in his own mind, and it had to be perfection. And that's why I believe that once he denied him once out of fear, in that instantaneous, uh, uh, what am I going to do now? And he just blurted out uh, that he doesn't know him. He, uh, I think at that point, it, it overwhelmed him that he had now failed completely. And here's what happens so often. When we fail, we feel like, what's the use of trying Next time, it's a lot easier to fail the next time because it's like, I'm already a failure. So why try? Now, three things happen to this kind of person. The, this, this is kind of Peter's world here. Uh, number one, they give up trying, and instead of failing to succeed, failing at succeeding, they end up succeeding at failing. And they, they, they really, it's just like, I don't want to try anymore. It's just better not to try. Well, folks, it's always better to try and fail than it is to quit. You're, you've never been defeated. And, you're, and look, it's only, you only truly fail when you quit trying. Number two, 
they, this would happen to some, some people like Peter and these kind of emotions. They continue to beat themselves up daily because of their failures, and they live in, a, in constant or at least recurring depression. You see, they, they, they face their failure, and it just seems like they fail, and they fail, and they fail, and they fail. And, and, and the truth is, you're not failing any more than anybody else is. You're focused on the failure, and, and you see the failure. So that failure just continues to beat you up, and to the point that it, what happens is, is you get to a point of hopelessness and depression. Why try? But number three, there's another alternative that some take. They come to the realization that God expects effort, devotion, and relationship rather than perfection of life. God's not looking for perfect human beings, folks. He created us. He knows we're not perfect. Anybody anybody else know that? If If you don't know that, get married and... She'll tell you. All right. Amen. All right. The, uh, God wants a relationship with you rather than a performance by you. Please get that. God wants a relationship with you rather than a performance by you. And what happens is we get caught up in performing Christianity, and then when we come short because we're human, because we're going to, we're going to fail, we're going to come up short, then, then we're devastated. But that's not what God's looking for. God's not looking for some perfect performance. He's looking for a relationship. That's why I like, you know, look, that's what we want in our, uh, with our children. That's what we want in our, in our marriages. It's, it, we're, we're wanting a relationship. I, I want a relationship with Jobeth. I want her to, ex- look, Folks, is there anybody that you're really comfortable with? By that I mean that it's okay if you mess up, you don't feel like they're judging you. You got anybody like? Nobody? Now, that's what we need to have that relationship with Christ. Now, it's not saying I want to mess up. But I, I know after 40 years, if I, if I blow it, if I mess up, if I get angry, if I do something, you know, I don't want to. And I'm, I'm sad when I do. But I know that, I, I know that she's not going to just, okay, I label you. You're, you're done. But can I tell you, I don't, I don't know all of you that way. And so it puts more stress on the relationship because we, if we, the, the more distant we are in a relationship, the greater stress there is on the relationships that if I say something wrong, or even if you just misunderstand what I say, that you may turn away. But the closer we get, we can sometimes say something stupid, and if we're really close, and they say, oh, I knew what you meant, because I know you're stupid anyway, <laughs> you know? Well, the Lord wants that same kind of a relationship. He wants us to have a close. For Peter, at times, 
he had all three of these emotions that I'm talking about, but thankfully he settled in this last one. The last one, they come to a realization that God expects effort, devotion, relationship rather than the perfection of life. He came to that realization. He finally got there. And, and you know, <clears throat> maybe Peter got there by finally thinking back to the statement that Jesus had made. Maybe he went back and realized, you know, after he denied Christ, that he went all the way back and remembered, wait a minute, he said, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou, listen to this, this is a promise, thou shalt follow me afterwards. Maybe Peter finally said, you know, wait, wait a minute. I know what he said. I'm going to be with him regardless. Amen? I'm going to be with him. Now, just in case this was not encouraging enough, Right when the crucifixion is near, right when the betrayal is upon them, right when Peter is about to deny he never knew them, this is what Jesus says, and we read it already, but verse uh, 1 of chapter 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Now, now who is he talking to? He's talking to Peter that he just told him, you're going to deny me. He said, Peter, I know you're going to deny me. I know you're going to turn your back on me. I know you're going to reject me. And here's what he says, the very next statement. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't get down, Peter. Don't get discouraged, Peter. Don't get depressed, Peter. You see, Peter, with so much good intentions, but soon to be so much confusion in his life, Jesus knows this, and here's what he does. Now, now here's what we would do, and here's what man does. Uh, you know, if... If we're in that position and we just said, you know, look, you're going you're gonna to turn on me, you're going to deny me, you're going to act like you never knew me, uh, you know, that we'd be expecting something, maybe a threat. You know, like, look, buddy, drop the ball here and I'll drop you. Or maybe we'd warn him of the uh, results of his failure and rejection. You deny me and I'll find somebody else that can get the job done. I've worked in areas where that's kind of the attitude. You know what? I don't care if you lose your family. I don't care if you lose your marriage. I don't care if you lose everything. I don't care if you lose your health. You just get the job done or get somebody else. Athletics is that way. Man, you can be, you can be the, the star of stars and get, and get hurt, and a week later, you're nothing. I mean, you can be the man and have given three or four years of your life in some college, but, but let his knee get tore up, and he's no longer, he can't play anymore. He's nothing. He's gone. Now, this is the way of man. I've seen it in business, seen it in sports. I've seen it in the ministry. But Jesus says, listen to this, and we're almost done. Jesus says, I know you. I know your weaknesses. I know your failures. I know your insecurities. I know your frustrations. I know your discouragements. I know your depression. I know your feeling of worthlessness. I know you're weak. I know you may do not deny me sometime. I know you may even leave me for a while. I know you may cuss and swear and lie. So now watch this. He knows all of that. And he says, so let me tell you, let not your heart be troubled. Isn't that amazing? He knows all this rejection about Peter. And here's his answer to him. 
Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it's not so, I would have told you. Yeah, I love that. Jesus said, look, I just told you that they're there. I told you that I've gone to prepare a place for you. And he said, look, I'm not like everybody else. If it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. I wouldn't have said it. He said, watch this. If they, if they weren't there, I would tell you that they're not there. He said, but in my house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place, watch this, for you. Do you understand that? I don't care where you are in your Christian life. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you know 100% sure you're going to heaven, if you've come to Jesus by faith uh, and the grace through faith to Jesus Christ, do you understand right now he's preparing a place for you? And he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That's what he told Peter. Peter, you can't go now, but you can come later. You will come later. Now look at this. All this is going on, all while he is preparing that place, watch this, my whole life, since I got saved at 20 years of age, the last 43 years, Jesus has been preparing a place for me. And folks, believe it or not, I have sinned in the last 43 years. You're supposed to be surprised right now. <laughs> Look, we've all messed up. And continue to do so. And Jesus, the whole 43 years, has never stopped preparing a place for me. That's because he authored eternal salvation. Now, I want you to just think about this, and I'm done. But if he, look. If, if he did not author eternal salvation, if he did what most of us, no matter what we're taught, somehow the old devil still kind of filters it in our brain that somehow if we don't live up to a certain standard, we're going to lose it. Now, if that's true, I want you to think about this just realistically. That means that in heaven, we've got a whole lot of unfinished buildings. Because Jesus said, I go to a prepared place for you. And so he could have been working on that place for 20 years. And whoops, you crossed the line, buddy. So I got the foundation and I got some, you know, I got some walls up. I was even getting the roof kind of finished, but we're done. Do you not understand that that means that heaven looks like, you know, it's been part of a, a war zone? Because there'd be unfinished buildings everywhere. And then again, unless you have the ESV or the NIV, and they're just rooms. Which is mind-boggling to me that Jesus went to prepare some glorified high-rise apartment complex. That's insane. 
you know, people that put numbers to it say that, that if you, you took the estimate of everybody that's been saved since creation and you took the size, uh, uh, the, all the, the square foot, and I went all the details, you know, if you want 12 foot levels and, 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 and this 1,500 mile by 1,500 mile by 1,500 mile cube, if you did that and, and took everybody, everybody that's ever been saved up to now would get about 10 acres of, of land. That's a pretty big apartment, pretty big room. No, he went to prepare a place for us. I don't, my, my problem with it, I don't care what you call it, but I'm, a, I'm sorry, I feel like some people want to minimize what Jesus is doing for us. Now, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. The greatest carpenter ever to live is going to build our place going to build your place. I think that'd be pretty nice. Now, man tries to discourage man from the glory and the wonder that awaits us, but Jesus gives us a wonderful promise and a glimpse of the amazing future to every believer. And he gives it to us in this passage. Simply said, I go to prepare a place for us. But he, before he did, he said, Peter, in just a minute, I'm going to tell you that you're going to deny me. He said, but before you do, he's going to give him the sandwich effect. Before you do, I'm going to tell you, Peter, one day you're going to be with me. You can't go with me now, but you're going, you will be with me in heaven. That means, obviously, Peter could not do anything to lose it. You will be with me. So then he tells him, you're going to deny me. And on the other side of that, Peter, who lives in this up and down confusion of his mind, the Lord says, Peter, I know your heart. I know the doubts and the confusion and the heartache because you want so badly to be the very best Christian you can be. You want so badly to be my servant. You want so badly to do everything just right. So Peter, you get so discouraged. You get so down on yourself. Peter, you get so depressed about your actions. He said, first of all, I already told you, you're going to be with me, so relax, Peter. But you know what? On the other side of it, let not your heart be troubled. You're worrying too much, Peter. Folks, I need to, to desire to do everything I can to serve the Lord and live for God like I should. But there's one thing I don't have to worry about. And that's heaven. I, should ne I, I, I don't have to worry. He's already said there's a, <laughs> that I'm going to be there. And he's already said he... Let not your heart be troubled. I'm going to make a place for you. This is so incredible, folks. That's eternal security. And if it's ever been eternal, it is now. Because eternal can't stop being eternal. So, thank you all for getting as excited about it as I get. But it might be that you have to look inside your own heart. There's one other reason that we 
doubt. It's one of the reasons that we get stressed and worry about eternity. And that's that we don't know for sure that we're going there because we've never truly trusted Christ. That's the question you have to ask. Do you have that eternal salvation that Jesus authored? Or I don't know that it's really that way, but I wonder if we'll get to heaven one day and there's empty lots. Empty lots because he's not willing that any should perish. But there was never anything built there because we never came to him by faith. I'll have a word of prayer. And let's, Father, I pray that you bless. Lord, if there's one here this morning that does not know for sure they're going to heaven, Lord, oh, Satan will plant doubts in our minds, but, but Father, when we trust you, we can truly say, let not our hearts be troubled. 